Like I've had a request for all five, but we don't all know them, so the first and the last verses are the red flag. Hello, and welcome to That Option No Longer Exists, the vicious brawl in the aisle of Labour's Broad Church. I'm John Bands. With me is my good friend, Adam Juniper. Now, I'm in the red corner, and I don't know what colour corner you're in, Adam. Uh, well, we've got a sort of cyany magenta thing going on because I've got one foot out of the door, it has to be said, from the Broad Church um, in a sort of half-finished building called Renew UK. Right, yes, but you used to be... You, you used to very you used to very much care, and I think I still see you with um, at least your cock inside the tent pissing in. Um, <laughs> Beautifully put. Well, it's, it's, it's because I care that I'm looking around. <laughs> with your knob now um so yeah as i last time we spoke adam in the the pilot episode of this show you were uh thinking about leaving uh the sort of um centrist sofa you're currently crashing on um and that's you know that's all the rage uh people centrists seem to leave parties join parties that seems to be that seems to be the fun bit that initial spark of uh of the of getting the membership card then the cutting up um, but you've not moved, you've stayed. Well, I find myself looking around at the centrist selection, and we've got one party that you can only be in if you were already an MP elected to a different party. You've got one option that are still, you know, new leader, not very sure yet. Um, they've been around for a while, and they've certainly clocked up some negative points, uh, especially from the point of view, I imagine, of you and your far left. Um, and what's what's the other choice? Um, um, I I don't know. You're going to go and join the SNP or something? I don't know. The, yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, I could move to Scotland. I mean, they're centrist. As long as well, not so much centrist as they only have one policy and they haven't fully thought through anything else after that. Most of them are uh, having a go at um, having a go at Labour, then voting with the Tories. That's, so what is it? Adam, that's still making Renew a sort of attractive um, temporary home for you at the moment? I think the main thing for me, um, and the main thing that dragged me there in the first place, if you like, um, not dragged, that's unfair, but showed me the way, uh, is that Renew is a member of the um, growing European alliance. Um, and I think we've seen that people are starting to take that sort of thing quite seriously. Uh, well, that was that was interesting. I, I don't want to get too much into the old Brexit thing to start with, but did you nah, see the sort we're, we're of? Gonna, who, we're going to end up there, aren't we? It's an, it's sort of, it's got it's got a massive gravity at the moment. But did you see the sort of hoo ha at the moment with the uh, Liberal Democrat uh, London mayoral candidate suggesting that the Greens should withdraw from the uh, London mayoral race because uh, because of Brexit, Remain, uh, whatever. Look over there, sleight of hand. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't caught that one recently because I've probably seen too many other stories with people saying other people should withdraw. And the problem with these things is as soon as they start, then it's very hard to know, you know who's right and who's wrong about who should withdraw in our, let's be fair, less than helpful uh, election system. It's. I mean, to be perfectly honest, that um, it's this a thing that we've learnt from however two thousand years of the Catholic Church. The withdrawal method doesn't always have the consequences that you think it should have, um, but the the main consequences seem to be at 
as far as I can see at the moment, that you you just it's it's a gravity thing. The largest party that's saying people should do it is the one that gains, right? Where 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 do the Greens what the, what would just potentially just say that uh, the Lib Democrats said to you, uh, Adam Junipo, please withdraw from uh, what constituency are you going to stand in again? Uh, I am in Leighton and Wanstead. Okay, so the, the, the Lib Dems phone you up and say, uh, we've we've twisted the arms of the Greens, we've twisted the arms of um, uh, Plaid Cymru and the SNP not to stand in this London constituency. Uh, <laughs> can you also stand aside for us because we think we're going to win? I think, um, honestly, if it was made clear uh, that the reason is the key, my key issue, um, Europe, uh, then I think I would actually be happy to stand aside. And I probably shouldn't rest my hand on the microphone as I say that. <laughs> so you should be resting it on a, a good book, as it were. The um, I can I can think of one that Marx and Engels wrote, but you might think of a different one. The so I, I, I'm glad I'm glad Adam that you're staying as a, a political candidate because that gives you a, a very small, almost insignificant soapbox to stand on for doing this podcast because um, it keeps you it keeps you interested it keeps you in the game. Um, that's really good. I mean, I like to keep myself uh, busy by uh, sort of like getting involved with uh, grassroots politics as well. It's very important. Uh, and by grassroots politics, do you mean telling people they're wrong on Twitter? That's my preferred approach. Well, I like to do that as well. But um, this uh, this weekend, I went to a sort of mini conference where lots of people uh, stood up in rooms and told people told people that they were wrong and also that some of them were right um, I, I can it, only assume that the Labour left was meeting up then well there was I, yeah I had a I had a lovely uh, weekend at um, the World Transformed in Birmingham um, uh, sort, of, sort of Birmingham Momentum Run event not uh, run in any way by the people who sort of run the national momentum event but you know the same sort of spirit lots of panels of um really interesting speakers and a, a little bit of fun um the uh i think as uh, as i like to uh with tell people about it the uh you know people have only interpreted birmingham in various ways the point however is to change it um and uh it was uh, i'm not sure it's been changed but uh well the the bar at the the place um i was in doing the stuff was um certainly changed uh, from cha being a full bar to an empty one yeah? <laughs> i don't know we were um we were in a, in digbeth in birmingham which is not too far away from the center and not too far away from birmingham city's ground so on yeah, saturday it's still sometimes described as birmingham's trendy digbeth believe it or not <laughs> well it certainly is and uh, we were uh, standing outside one of the venues and a lot of very sad-looking men in Peaky Blinders hats walked past. And uh, it turned out that uh, Birmingham City had been winning 1-0 right up until the final minutes, and then they then they drew. So there were just lots of dejected people with comedy flat caps uh, coming back. So it was like um, a Hovis advert. Uh, but no, a great time was boy. Lots of really, 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 I thought, intelligent thought. And I must admit, this is the only place I see intelligent new interesting you know forward looking thinking from at the moment and it's it's from what you you know it's from the left I, I, there's there are no great um 
when was the last time you saw either someone from the right or someone supposedly from the centre come up with an idea and you go, okay, that would radically change uh, how the future of politics works and it would radically change people's lives from the better? I can't, uh, I can't remember the last time I heard anything. Well, I have to admit, I, uh, I missed the Renew conference, which was in Birmingham, um, owing to childcare constraints, um, which is <laughs> doesn't sound great on my part. Um, uh, there's a lot of discussion on our um, digital policy forums uh, about things like uh, energy policy, um, which is a, a geeky obsession of mine um, since I hired an electric car a few months ago and um, now feel that I, that's what I deserve and that's how I can fix the country. Um, nothing to do with the lightning acceleration. Um, and we're, we're going to move on um, in a second to the the sort of second sort of biggest issue that's really been... Um, floating around the the political uh, sort of you know um talking shops this week and it's it's been led by um Boris Johnson which is you know making announcements about crime and it's yeah. I, I and I'm I think it's disappointing we uh before we move on to the sort of what we, what Johnson's saying the I haven't heard a great lot of um interesting brilliant forward-looking policies actually from Labour's sort of home office team on what we might, you know, what we might be doing, and I cert obviously certainly haven't heard them from the sort of retrograde stuff that Johnson's saying. But those ideas are there when you when you look at the sort of, um, you know, the sort of active, intellectual, possibly slightly compartmentalised and sidelined people who are thinking about this sort of stuff on the left. Um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because. Almost everyone involved in politics talks about tough on time crime, tough on the causes of crime, as being one of the best bits of communication with serious intent. You know, there was a message there for people who wanted to invest in improving lives and making sure that crime didn't happen in the first place. And there was a message there um, to say that, don't worry, we're not going to do what the Labour Party would do in the olden days and say, oh, we're sorry for locking you up. By all means, go out, have some fun. It was reassuring for everyone, and it was a great piece of communication. And now, but no, yeah, but were, not, the, were the policies were the policies that actually good? I, I mean, I'm I, they were they were the new Labour um, policy certainly was to lock a lot of people up, um, particularly maybe people who had um, normal um, immigration uh, claims to do that sort of thing. Yes, that's true. Although the thing about I always feel like immigration um, is dictated by. A certain departmental mom momentum and uh, it's not the first thing anyone's thinking of because if you're a good person and you get into government it's you're not panicking and thinking oh you know we must do something about letting more people into the country or making it easier you know that's that's and if you're a terrible person and you get into the government it, you're trying to make it even harder than it already is so it ends up just being a, a bit of a nightmare um, well yeah well I, that's I mean, but that's not I mean as much as um the Tory right would probably like that to still be, a, you know, a massive issue because I think it's f faded away in people's consciousness as one of the big issues about um, Brexit. But, it's, but they're now, you know, they're focused very squarely on the not. So, is it actual crime or is it the the fear of crime and knife crime in particular? So yeah, I mean, I think the thing is for the the Brexiteers of the world, um, and I I meant sort of the anti-immigration lot in general. And obviously Brexit and immigration have been excruciatingly merged. And so all of those Brexiteers who 
I don't want to say they are all also the horrendous racists who would like to stand a bo- army at the border and make sure no one gets in if they look a bit different. Um, but they are the same people, aren't they, if we're honest? Um, those people are mostly obsessed with making sure that their Brexit happens in case any of those nasty pinko communists, and they include me in that as much as they do you, get in the way and stop it. I mean, that, yeah, my, I think my that, concern is that the pinko communists are going to help the fascists do the Brexit. Well, but but you see, but you had a little bit of a brush with um, the sort of Tory uh, ang- angle on the current yes, crime yes, situation. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So, um, living in Leighton, um, a few days back, um, a police officer stopped a man. Um, apparently just uh, to check his insurance and this guy may have misunderstood that leapt out of the car uh, and uh, preemptively assaulted the policeman with a machete now the thing I think that's possibly a lesson that he should have learned from this is that the policeman despite being wounded in the head was still able to get his taser out and tase the guy and detain him so um, so we got woke up to stories of a, a hero police officer um, and stories of another horrendous crime in London um, which as you know is of interest to Donald Trump for some reason um, and and <laughs> the thing that frightened me more than that that incident happened at midnight before midday the next day, I'd received a letter, not a letter, you know, sort of fake newspaper from the London Conservative Party from Sean Bailey, who will be the Conservative candidate taking on Sadiq Khan in uh, 2020. He's fucking awful, by the way, isn't he? But um, keep going. Yeah. And it was entirely crime-themed. It it didn't specifically mention the incident that had just happened, but it looked quite a lot like they keep these things ready and then they rush out their volunteers every time a nasty crime happens in a certain place and make sure that you're associating crime with this guy who's going to come and stop crime. And uh, I think we know uh, Boris Johnson talks a lot about crime coming down under his uh, mayorship. Um well, I think you and I are both going to quote the same stat, right? Well, no, well, I wasn't even going to quote a stat. I'm, I was just going to, because I, I was surprised that you hadn't really uh, tweaked how bloody terrible um, Sean Bailey is. The, um, I, I'm just, I just quickly uh, looked, and he has apparently said that uh, single motherhood is wrongly assumed to be acceptable. The working class needs rules and giving out contraception to young people encourages them to have sex. Accommodating Diwali leads to community breakdown and crime. Um, he's uh, he's absolutely... He's out there. He's going to get an absolute tatering um, at this at the election. He will withstand absolutely no scrutiny. But Yeah, so well, he, well, one can only hope. I mean... Yeah, what's... Uh, What's the current editor of uh, the Evening Standard doing at the moment? Um, well, six other jobs, we know. He, he has indeed endorsed Mr Bailey. No, the, the, uh, the, the Evening Standard's endorsement might not be worth what it once was, though, eh? Well, that's, uh, but so it's, that's an interesting 
thing though because I do believe that the, the Tories might have a rapid response unit almost to uh, it's quite leave hard it. to imagine 70 year old women you know um, getting out and rapidly responding um, do you remember the computer I, game Worms <laughs> do you remember the old woman was a weapon you know, your worm could throw an old woman and this little woman with a little countdown clock above her head would just walk towards your enemy uh, and then detonate Sounds like a, a sort of Monty Python sketch, really. But oh, I think there's that whole I'm, game was a Monty Python sketch. It's not beyond the realms of possibility, though, that the Tories are usually paid um, people to deliver the leaflets. They certainly were ran by us in the local elections um, and the European elections. They definitely were using the paid or at least bust in um, people. But so it's quite. They're uh, not short of a bob or two, are they? Well, this this is it. It's. Um, but it, that's an in, it's an interesting thing, though, isn't it? That they're they're going to go so hard on that as a as a as a campaigning tool. Um, it's like the um, have you seen the fried chicken boxes thing they've been doing? No. Uh, they have uh, not for Kentucky Fried Chicken, but for uh, Dixie Chicken and Chicken Cottage and lots of others. They have uh, paid and printed up some uh, anti knife crime boxes to put chicken in. So um, does that mean the, if I've had a few drinks and I'm wandering around East London, um, it's a bit late, so KFC's shut. I still want some fried chicken. One of the many off-brand fried chicken retailers is available. I'll go in, I'll buy something that may or may not be chicken or possibly cockroach with some suspicious little chips. Um, and I'll step out into the street and I'll be able to defend myself with a knife-shaped box? Or oh, no, no, the, the, misunderstood? Bo the boxes have um, true, sort of basically like true crime stories on them about how people got involved in knife crime and how you shouldn't do it, and it's awful. And this is, uh, you know, it shows them... So they're, they're just sticking their necks out and going with a crime is bad angle. Well, not only crime is bad, not mm. only crime is bad, but the stereotypically, the sort of people, stereotypically, who stereotypically would eat in fried chicken shops might stereotypically be the ones to be worried about. Uh, oh, I think I see where you might be going with that. But this is, um, <laughs> this, I mean, it's its obvious, awful, racist bollocks and also a complete waste of money. So it's, uh, basically they're tough on crime, tough on the uh, causes of <laughs> tough your... On, uh, tough on the feeding of criminals. Tough, tough on chicken, tough on the fucking chicken. Well, it's like the, to uh, be honest... Some of those fried chicken places, it's, it's not the best. You know, it can be quite tough. But but, th but this is what we're going to get. This is what we're going to get for the next, or to ever and, until the, the general election is. There'll be two prongs. We will deliver Brexit and we will essentially lock people up, even though it's proven that it doesn't work. It's proven that we're locking people up in places that are making them worse. They're really bad for their health, are doing nothing in lots of cases, but... What? providing a profit line for G4S and, uh, I think, and people I think like that. I, what I've detected in general, um, uh, you know, this just seemed to be a really cynical example of it, is a desperation to talk about things that aren't Brexit that are classic Tory values. And they don't really want to mention the economy uh, for obvious reasons. So the only thing they've got left is crime, I, I guess unless they fancy buying yet another aircraft carrier. 
Which they do, yeah, and that, I think that's it. And that it's narrowed down there. They've got a paucity of ideas and a paucity of options about what they're going to talk about. Even when they talk about, um, President's announced there's going to increase um, police by 20,000 or something, which is, is nonsense because they haven't got the money and you can't suddenly do that. But it doesn't take long for anyone to point out that they actually reduced police from 27 uh, by 27,000. Uh, by, by more than that anyway since 2010 not that necessarily having more police is the you know the way to stop way to stop crime but it's um it's uh withdrawing the funding that would have paid for those uh you know police a, a officers no, I think is not we can all agree a, a good number of competent police is a good thing if you're trying to control crime but a better thing is not to have people feeling that they desperately need things in the first place and the crime is their main solution Alexander Wallace, Boris de Peffel Johnson, or better known as Al to his real friends, has um, been talking up his achievements as Mayor of London when it comes to reducing crime. Now, when he was Mayor of London, the Labour Party were in power, and in London, crime came down less than it did everywhere else in the country. So, one might argue that all he did was get in the way of the Labour Party's achievements. It's now time to move to the meat of this week's political conversation, where we will probably not agree. Seems seems more than likely. In the <laughs> so, you've seen the you've seen the letter or heard heard about the letter that uh, Jeremy Corbyn has um, sent to <laughs> rather amusingly, I felt the uh, leaders of all the main parties and significant backbenchers, but not Anna Soubry, who seems to be really upset about that. <laughs> Um, outlining how uh, a, a short-term Brexit-focused Labour government could prevent no deal. Uh, so I have strongly mixed views on this as a normal individual who wishes Brexit wouldn't happen. So my overriding thing there is the Brexit thing and not any of the party politics. Um, so I think that it is quite arrogant of Jero, Jerry, what are we going to call him, JC, to send that out because he must, he must understand that politically it would be very awkward for people who would be needed to prevent Brexit from having choosing him as Prime Minister when uh, a milder alternative might be available. Um, well, two, uh, two, uh, things, uh, two uh, things on that. Uh, there's, there is no alternative available, and lot, and we've had a, a, a cavalcade of, um, of of sort of wet Tories uh, today saying that that would be okay. Yeah, I, no, I, I've noticed. Um, but after the, pe I think that the question is: Is Jeremy being smart or dumb politically? Is he deliberately trying to make life difficult for uh, Joe Swinson? Because even being Prime Minister for a little while and by aiming for a general election rather than a people's vote, um, in fact, Corbyn is only promising a people's vote if the Labour Party is then elected, uh, means that he's playing a game that is designed 
to suit the benefits of the Labour Party first and possibly achieve uh, a referendum secondarily, um, which, let's be fair, we all know Corbyn doesn't particularly want. He just now knows, he now realises he needs. I'm I'm not going to go into what Jeremy may or may not want because he's, I don't think his personal views are A, well reported, but B, take that much of that much importance here but it seems to me that the only route to a second referendum is through a full general election and parties that support a second referendum being voted in because a referendum piece of, piece of referendum legislation will take a long time to get through it's horrendously complicated the general election legislation needed is actually quite you just need that simple majority to hold for two weeks that's all you need so it's it seems to be much that seems to be much easier to get that seems to me to be the route to the second referendum but i will totally agree add that yes it does seem a, it's a piece of it's a piece of political uh and real politicking sort of master stroke because yes it has shown up lots of absolute toe rags who are disingenuous to be uh, to be the disingenuous toe rags they are it has it basically he's written a letter to the lib thames and the smp and plied and all that and essentially said okay it really is barbarism or socialism which way are you going to go and the lib and um, the smp and plied and to their um benefit in a benefit caroline lucas despite that nonsense the other day have said yeah it's socialism the lib dems have said oh have you got a slightly different flavor of barbarism have you got like a a barbarism light have you got some alcohol free barbarism have you got a uh, a sort of veggie curry but we've put a few bits of bacon in it <laughs> that's a pretty fair way of putting it i mean obviously there uh i i think that from you know again from my not apolitical, obviously, but from my uh, objective-led approach, their their response did seem wrong. Uh, I I think the right thing from their point of view, and you know, still trying to maintain whatever they need to do as a party as well, would be to come back and to say, let's talk about this. Um, but obviously, the seats they're going to be going for, they're more likely to take seats off the Tories. So they do need to be seen to be a bit anti-Jeremy. Whereas Corbyn presumably still believes that Labour can actually win a majority government, which I suspect isn't true. I think it's difficult, but I don't think it's got any... I don't think it's untrue. But the, it's just the nonsense coming out of them. Oh, we'll have uh, Hillary Benn. Oh, we'll have Ken Clark. Oh, we'll have Harriet bloody Harman. Not one of these people has put forward the true caretaker Prime Minister you really want in Howard Wilkinson. Um, you know, he'll, he'll hold the line. He won't do anything tactically innovative, but uh, <laughs> the it's but it's a it's a it really has blown a huge hole in their positioning as as the sort of bollocks to Brexit uh, party, hasn't it? Because it's I think well, I would have really liked it to be Dominic Grieve. I I'm not even sure I know who that is. He's he a, is. He's, is he the slightly mole-looking one? He's, he's the man who looks a bit like an accountant who keeps up coming up with the very clever amendments uh, to drag things out a little bit longer. 
the amendment was actually called the Dominic Grieve Amendment. The one oh, I know, I know. I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I kind of know what he's done, but I don't know who he is. Um, I, what I, I like can't... about him and or people, not just him, but he and anyone in his political position, which is that his own constituency are extremely unlikely to allow him to run again under the Conservative name or whichever. Um, in his case, a Tory group. Those people feel like they might be ideally suited. You know, they might have just one last purpose. Do you think Ken Clark's going to run again? I don't know. It depends how much uh, money from British American Tobacco, uh, you know, is weighed <laughs> on that, or whichever pharmaceutical companies he's shilling for now. The um, I don't know, or whatever parliamentary privileges he needs. I, ju- I just cannot. I just cannot get this. Um, this sort of thing. It's like. With the thing we're like, oh, John Major's suddenly a very reasonable person, is he? I think no. I, I, see, I do find this difficult as well because he's said reasonable things about these issues. I don't think that he is suddenly necessarily entirely reasonable. Although maybe a bit of time and perspective, and not you know not having to be voted at, makes you uh, makes you more reasonable. I think the British people have just got a lot less reasonable. Well, that's. I was thinking this the other day, and I, I, this is a thing on Brexit. I don't think Brexit has divided the country. What well, I think it has, sort of, has sorted the country into different buckets. Yeah, ones that and we knew that we were knew that we didn't want to be sorted into. You know, like when you have family. You know, you've got two sides of the family, and they have slightly different political views. Everyone knows that you just don't talk about politics when you when you catch up at Christmas or whatever, uh, and there'll be lengthy discussions about gardening or, or stuff that generally everyone can agree on. You know, if everyone in the family can afford a garden, obviously. Um, but yeah, Brexit, it's all out, isn't it? <laughs> Hell, it, even I, I'll be like, so did you vote for Brexit in a shop? And then I'm like, all right, sorry, I'm not shopping there then. <laughs> well, I, to be honest, I, I, I'm not as strident on Brexit as you are. Um, I believe on well, balance. They're not, they're not trying to kick out anyone who lives in your house, are they? Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, th- I don't know. Our cat's <laughs> called Fritz. But the, um, but the, it's... Um, no, I understand that on a sort of personal level. And some of the things coming out of the uh, Tory party about the EU citizens having to prove they're entitled to the NHS is awful. Um, a, friend of, uh, a friend of ours is, um, is a um, Ghanaian, but it, obviously they live here and they've got all the correct paperwork and stuff. Their children have got stamps in their passport that says no access to treatment. Wow. On them, it's, 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 so so they have to make sure they don't take their passports with them if they go to hospital. Well, that's the, that's <laughs> the thing about um, uh, yeah, no, that's the thing about they're they're making doctors check them now. That's the, they're trying to anyway. It's um, absolutely appalling. It's a gateway into charging people generally. Yeah, yeah, for no, all you, it's, I mean that's stuff. the thing. Why can't people see where this goes? This goes to being like um, the US, where you walk in and there's a cost table like there is you know a bit like the menu at starbucks but with much bigger numbers well quite big number i mean and this is this is why of course that it's really difficult to look at what the um the lib dems did and they did it they were there they did it they were there they were present and active um and yeah they were they were present active and involved in that coalition 
and yet um, they're now going to portray themselves as as the as the goodies in this one. And they're at the moment they're like they're so they're not liberal because they we saw what they did, and at the moment they are certainly not democratic because they are trying to pick and choose not the not the leader of the opposition who got all those votes oh no somebody we pick so they need to go back to their bloody not constituencies but their bloody dictionaries and prepare to learn the definitions of either of the words in their name it's just I, a nonsense I, I see i see what you're saying and, and, and i mean i'm quite sympathetic to that view there is a you know a certain value in the idea that he who has most votes you know is the logical next choice but i think in these or constitutional choice Yes, exactly. Um, well, if anything was constitutional, life would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? Um, but there, there's an obvious uh, issue that comes from John. Uh, sorry, uh, from Corbyn's. You know, not just perceived, but very obviously, at best, poor messaging, and and certainly, you know, forty years of voting against the EU doesn't make him the natural choice if th that is the one issue that you're dealing with uh, and also but, in a in a way a sort of perfect constitutional solution and you know remember we don't have one um would be to come up with somebody who um you know who wasn't a member of any of the parties involved I okay, don't think so we can have them from the uh, Lords though anymore, can we? I, 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 I read something from a constitutional expert that there is absolutely no requirement for the Prime Minister to be in either house. Could be anybody. I, that's interesting. If they can they, command I the options they... of the house, that's it. It's fine. Command the if they command the confidence. Yeah, they don't, apparently not. I mean, I don't know how far you would trust those people but as far as i'm concerned you so if can't... i went along had a word with the constitutional thing went in there spoke some actual common sense you'd got you no know. chance but, <laughs> oh yeah no you're right but the, well the, or or the um the green party approach we could get uh, uh stephanie frappard to come and do it I, you'd have to explain who that was stephanie frappard in case you don't know uh, was the first woman to ever referee a premier league game which she did this week Apparently very well. Mm. Didn't watch it. it. But I think that the problem is, of course, is that even even if you've got... Even if uh, getting through and extending Article 50 and then going, right, there's a general election... Sorry, and general sorry, election I, I want to correct myself. UEFA well, Super Cup. UA. Ah. <laughs> Men's final, though. That's the point. OK. But if, <laughs> so even if, even, if, even if you get this... I don't know, let's... I don't know. Let's say if someone everybody likes, uh, Michael Palin. So you can make Michael Palin Prime Minister. Michael Palin is Prime Minister and he's got to go to the EU, uh, get the Article 50 extension on the idea that we're having a general election, that a, a good proportion of those parties will be campaigning not only for a second referendum, but probably to remain in that second referendum, that which you would assume they would give. But you've got to do that. You've got to get that stuff through the parliament that would take you at least a day you've got to then get the um, general election legislation through that takes at least a, a day if ever, if the two-thirds of the house are for it if it doesn't it takes two takes two weeks on the confidence motion type stuff even then you've got the four-week campaign which that person michael palin is still prime minister there's a lot of stuff has to be decided and thought about in that time and i'm afraid it would be absolutely 
immoral of Labour to give that power to, well, Michael Palin, yes, but to um, to any Tory or any Lib Dem with their bloody records, or even to, and it would be more immoral to give that power to someone in the Labour Party who wasn't the elected head of the party. So it's it can't happen. It just simply cannot happen. Um, yeah, so what it's down to, it's, this is the, so, this is the uh, choice that we should just get somebody who has been elected, who has been elected a, a leader of their party, and is for some inexplicable reason, you know, universally well liked by society, like it, Boris Johnson, the character, well, as opposed to uh, Mr. Johnson, the Prime Minister. Yeah, well, he has. He, he, well, he, what I'm what I'm saying is that Jeremy Corbyn is the only legitimate Prime Minister. That they can, that can, that they can possibly be, but anybody else would be actively illegitimate. And even on that short, we're just going to get an extension of general election. There's a couple of months there where they've got to make big decisions, and they've got to make big decisions about things like the No Deal planning. They've got to make big decisions on crime. They've got to make big decisions on, you know, NHS funding. We're going to go through another NHS winter crisis. Would you want to do that? Probably while this you know hypothetical caretaker prime minister is in would you really want ken clark in there would you really want i don't know i'm trying to picture ken clark popping into the hospital handing out packets of fags i mean yeah or, 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 or alcohol in these fucking hush puppies or it's to be honest you know if you were lying in hospital for a few days you might want him to come visit I'm not saying you'd necessarily want him to run the budget, but this, um, I tell you what, because I, I, you know, we, I, there's, there's no agreeing with what you're making. It is an incredibly rational point. Um, but what it does remind me of is that the reason I think everything is so difficult these days is that in the past, it was assumed that everyone would act with honour. The entire failure of the British to ever bother having a constitution is that because we're all, to some extent, like the horrific American stereotype of ourselves, you know, all honourable and slightly shambolic and saying err a lot and what have you, um, charmingly <laughs> befuddled, charmingly befuddled, but acting with honour. Um, except that we seem to have stopped that around about 2016 as well. I would I say there's it's an absolute lie that that ever was our character and you only have to look into British history to see a dishonor upon dishonor upon dirty trick upon dastardly deed but what I, I, I think well I, okay it's got a lot worse then and maybe the things that you know we used to think were honorable were maybe not as honorable as all that well I think it, I think it's true that it's impossible it's impossible to conceive of a I mean, like, you know, lots of politicians have done some really bad things, and lot and business people and the the you know the the deep state, for the want of a better word, have done on both on totally on both sides of the of Labour and Conservative, have done some really bloody awful things. But what they used to be, to a certain extent, was if you were caught out lying, that was that was a thing, and now that totally isn't true because we now see that the Lib Dems can lie about what they're doing right now. But Joe Swinson's first act as a Lib Dem leader was to lie about what Jeremy Corbyn had said that very morning. It's um, and it doesn't it doesn't seem to matter. So, Adam, I ask you this question: Does the option still exist 
of trusting the Liberal Democrats to do anything they say they will. I think the option always exists to trust people, but they're not making it easy at the moment. And I say that coming from uh, somebody in a position who, you know, really wants to trust the Lib Dems. And I do not think Joe Swinson has had the best of starts. I think that her reaction to Corbyn's letter, which I, you know, do view as a bit cynical, and I'm not sure you're completely right constitutionally, should nevertheless have been a little bit more cautious. I think um, the other, I mean, the other question is, can we trust anyone else? I've certainly yet to have a settled level of trust in the Labour leadership's position. Um, although I do feel that they are being forced my way. Um, and I know for sure I can't trust the Prime Minister. This, uh, that, I, think, I think that's it. And I think it's, it's perfectly valid to say that if we need, democ we need renewed democracy, so we need a new mandate to do these things. And we, we don't... We, uh, just, getting a, just getting a referendum to get a mandate on the one thing is not, is not enough. We need a mandate on the whole sort of political settlement because there's no. I, and I, this is a thing that I think is probably pertinent add to what you what you think. And I, mean, I know even if you come at um, it as a single issue Brexit thing, you don't win an a repeat of that referendum without some serious changes or at least hope for change in society. Even if you could magic a referendum out of thin air and have it tomorrow. I think Remain would struggle to win. And I think the referendum would be more divisive or it, it would cause people's positions to be entrenched rather than... And I think if there's one thing Labour have done that is not... You know, and I know it's not, to, not particularly to your taste and there's not to a lot of people's tastes, but Labour have been the only major political party searching for a, a decent compromise. Now, you might not have liked the way the compromise went, or agree with the idea that the compromise happened at all, but they were the only ones trying to do it. Well, they haven't shown me what the compromise is. Well, you, they, well, they, 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 well, they can only present in vague terms and promise to attempt to not to 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 negotiate that compromise. And because they haven't, they've not been in power. They have not had the opportunity to negotiate that compromise. All they've been able to do is say, "No, that isn't good enough." To the things that have been offered by the Tories. Yeah, so my argument uh, has long been that because they weren't in power, it, sorry, because they weren't in power, and because sadly the world is, it doesn't seem to like complexity, does it? Um, that maybe simply opposing the whole thing was the way to go. Because there are some people who think, and sometimes I sympathise with it, that the opposition's job is simply to oppose, to express the alternative view. Um, if you're looking for something more closer to a, a real compromise on the issue, something, you know, EEA membership, that kind of thing, something which is, I think, what, what the other side would call Brexit in name only, um, yeah, why not go for that? Um, but the, pro the problem is that's something you really can't express from an opposition bench, is it? Because people will highlight the fact that it is Brexit in name only. It's yeah, no I think that's that's really difficult and that's been I think there's it's why the, I don't think there's been confusion about Labour's position. I've said this to you before. I don't think there's why there's been I don't think there's been confusion 
by people who actually engaged with Labour's position. I don't think it's been confusing. I think it's been unsatisfactory to lots of people because in this instance, compromise has become unsatisfactory. That's right. And the problem is the people who are changing their minds are not people who engage with Labour's position. And I think this is the mistake that is so classically made, especially by the left, is to assume that people care about and will engage with the issue and the detail of it, whereas instead they're just looking for a catchy slogan. The people you have to deal with are the, you know, what we used to call the floating voters. I mean, it's an issue rather than a, a political floating, but it's the same thing. People are like, well, yes, we should definitely decide our own destiny. Or, what, you mean I have to pay £6 extra every time I go to Europe now and my currency's worth nothing and I can't find whatever it is I want in the supermarket? Actually, you're right, we should stay in the EU. Oh, no, but foreigners, you know, and you just catch them on one day. There are a lot of people like that, and th for those people, sophisticated messaging or even, you know, sorry, I, I used the word messaging, but, you know, the truth of the position was just too complicated and therefore faded into silence. I'm going to. I'm not as cynical as you, Adam, about people's thoughts and motivations, but it's totally true that when people talk about the political centre, for example, it's. Not, I don't believe there is a political centre. I really don't. I think it's a nonsense. You can't aim a party at the political centre. And not only that, when you lay out the policies of, for example, the 2017 manifesto, vast swathes of the population, huge um, majorities are in favour of lots of it. So if you actually get down to the policy level, you know, nationalise the railway, nationalise water, for example, things like that, minimum wage, up funding schools properly, um, you know, national education service, you know, people in general are in favour of those policies. But those people do not consider themselves left-wing. They do not even consider themselves... They don't consider themselves right-wing. They don't really even consider themselves to be of the centre. But sometimes when a certain representative sample of them are asked and pushed to ask by a pollster, they go, oh, yeah, I'm in the centre, because they don't consider themselves to be extreme. So I think it's, an, I think it's a nonsense to talk about the centre. And it's, it is... I feel like you and I are about to agree with each other in a way, because I don't think there's a centre either. I think that... When we talk about centrism, we're generally looking for people who are looking for people who will be involved in those decisions and approach them in the same way. And some people like to think of themselves as rational, and some people, they don't think of themselves as extreme, but they associate with characteristics of other people. And I think that's why you get, you know, the country will move in reasonable percentage from Labour to Conservative because in reality they're just voting for someone who looks like they're going to be making the right decisions i don't I, yeah i don't i don't necessarily agree i think there's a little bit of that but i don't really think that holds sway because that suggests that people essentially want technocrats they want mommy to come and sort it out or they want daddy to come and sort it out they want to speak to the manager and i think that is a peculiarly no, no, no. middle they class speak to the manager they want they, to think that the manager is is them or, or a mate with them or um you know approaches it in the same way but no they, they don't really want to have a conversation with them
because we recorded today rather than a few days ago, uh, Caroline Lucas has had a little bit of a free pass. Yeah, um, I would have liked to spend a little bit more time criticising the uh, let's rule out all men approach, um, because to be honest, I, I think, I don't know, it's more of a press release than a sensible policy, isn't it? And that's um, yeah. Well, I think it was, that was all. I think it was always meant to be that, wasn't it? But um, there's well, a sort. Some of, might say that about her whole party. There's a lot of. It's a sort of. Um, there's a sort of. It is a sort of double think required by political journalists and the political establishment, where you have to pretend to treat the utterances of people with absolute seriousness, while all while all knowing that they're not serious. But you can't analyse them from a point of unseriousness. You can't, you couldn't, um, there was plenty to analyse in Caroline Lucas's position. Even if you treated it as a press release, you'd go, okay, well, why did, why that? Why, why was that the thing they thought would cut through? Why, why genuine, did they genuinely forget to include uh, any levers in their national unity government? Did they uh, genuinely forget to include any uh, BME people did they genuinely forget to include any working class people or people of the left did they genuinely forget that or was there a, or was that part of it was that part of the thing to get attention are they yeah, clever I mean, are they stupid just, that is always the question isn't it maybe that uh, maybe that'd be any regular slot were they were they clever were they stupid idiot <laughs> Id, and idiot of the week genius of the week and <laughs> i think you know this week we can safely say that that Corbyn, you know, even if he wasn't, you know, even if he was being sneaky, he's done it very well. Joe's fallen into that trap and somebody who was coming out fairly well, someone who was having quite a good week, all told, isn't now. That's true. And I think on that note, we have to say uh, I, John Bounds, have won. As the bell goes uh, for this fight this week, you, Adam Juniper, are on the canvas. I will know in Halloween. <laughs> yes. And uh, yes, well, thank you for listening. This has been That Option No Longer Exists. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye for now. If they wanted Jeremy to read it, they should put it in the Morning Star.